You're listening to Main Character Energy, a podcast that'll teach you how to become that bitch. Main Character Energy gives you a behind-the-scenes look at how some of the world's most impactful disruptors, innovators, and creatives came from the bottom and embodied what it means to make it in all forms. Now, let's get into the show. Hello, and welcome back to Main Character Energy. We're coming back from what I deem to be a short mid-season interlude. And since we last recorded, I visited Denver for the first time. Shout out to the Mile High City. I spent some time with my best friend and we were up in the mountains. We went to a hot spring. We did some vintage shopping. I found a lot of good finds between Denver and LA. So I'm very pleased and then returned back to spring slash onset summer in New York City, and even upgraded into a new office space, which I'm so thrilled about because it's, I mean, who doesn't love a fresh start in an environment where they feel super productive? As somebody who lives and works in their New York City apartment, I could say that I definitely needed to have another space, and it is a nice upgrade from the co-work space that I had been previously working from. I can record podcasts there, so you will be seeing new content out of the new office space, and it's an environment where you can like meet other entrepreneurs and kind of be social and all that good stuff. So I was feeling super energized from that, honestly. It was giving me kind of like the pep that I needed, and it also, for me, just felt like such a milestone. As a business owner and as an entrepreneur and somebody who's like taking my shit more serious these days is, you know, it started to spark this mindset shift that I wanted to share with you guys. Be in the business of celebrating. I always talk about celebrating your wins, which is not like a new thing, but I mean, you really got to start making anything you do a moment because I think that, you know, even walking home from the space, feeling so elated about it, like celebrating, like this is something that I'm doing. It's a milestone. It's a chapter in my life. Like it really gets you motivated. And my thing is like, make things worth celebrating, get excited. If you're excited about something, other people are going to get excited. If you're not, if you, if you downplay things, you don't think it's a big deal. Okay. Nobody's going to care. Right. But If you don't think something's a big deal, then it's whatever to me too. But I guarantee if something is exciting to you and you celebrate it and you say, I'm going to bring some love to this, I'm going to bring some attention to it, I'm going to treat it as like a milestone or however you want to celebrate in the moment, just know that others are people who actually ride with you. Not everybody, but people will celebrate with you. And it starts with your energy, right? Like, It starts with you claiming it and declaring that it matters in your story. Like, this is a chapter. And in a lot of cases, we don't know what journey you're on unless you tell us, right? Like, if I told you that, you know, making this move is one of the best decisions I've made and it's going to, like, change the course of my, you know, business and my goals, then if you care about me, you're excited too. And it's just something that you can kind of live in because there's not always going to be these moments, right? Like I feel like we need to give ourselves space to actually enjoy and be present. But again, you know, if you don't tell people what your journey is, how are they going to know? So people assume that you see them 
and already know their story. Like you might think like, oh, you know, people know my life. That's not true. Like we have to get out of our heads. And instead of thinking everybody knows already, you need to define your narrative for us. Tell us what's important. Tell us, you know, the impact of the things that you're doing. So I just think that there's a lot of power behind storytelling and the power of remembering to piece your narrative together is so important. I think that the challenge we face is we live off of our most recent experiences instead of the big picture. So if you're having like a down season and things aren't going your way and maybe you're struggling like financially or with relationships or with friends or with family or whatever that might be, you typically just see what's right in front of you and that could be just looking at it like failure and we're so hard on ourselves like instead of seeing that you know because you've gone through these situations that that is literally part of the story like you're always going to have an up season after a down season there's always like a win that comes after that redeems those hardships and I want to hear about that people want to hear about that like No one cares about your fake positivity shit, right? Like, people who are just like, it's up all the time. I don't know. I mean, it's it's giving, like, living in a world of delusion. Like, there's gonna be things that did not go your way. And I think that more often than not, people want to talk about those moments and how it kick-started a new era for you. A lot of times, good things happen because bad things happen first, right? So... I say all that to say when it's up, celebrate that shit because it is not always up. We need to live in that. We need to bask in that. We need to relish in that. We need to mark it as something dope that happened. And so main character mindset shift of the week, be in the business of celebrating your wins. That's all. Let me tell you about my next guest and a main character you absolutely need to keep on your radar. Jade I. Powell is a content creator and marketer who's been featured in Business Insider, Ad Age, Forbes, and beyond. Jade is currently the host of Creator Tea Talk on LinkedIn Audio and is also the founder of the Weed for Black Women community. Not only does Jade exude it girl energy, she's all about taking up space, setting boundaries, and creating inclusive spaces for black women and creators of color. Let's get into it. I'm so excited to have one of my favorite creators right now with me on the podcast. I want to introduce you guys to Jade Powell. Now, one thing that we have to get straight into is the fact that you call yourself an ex-social strategist. (laughs) Yes. We need to get into that. Like, why did that speak to my soul without any context? Like, I already somehow relate. Like, yeah, I I heard you talk about on your stories being so like anti lately, and I instantly was like aligned. Like, who knew being anti could could build so much community? Why why are you an ex social strategist? Yes, well, one because I literally am <laughs> technically by title. So I had been working in marketing and advertising for about ten years now, and a large part of my work was social media marketing. So. I have literally held every social media title someone can think of. So I've been a social media intern, a social media community manager, a social media manager, a social media strategist, a social media director, and a head of social, (laughs) literally all at different jobs and at different times in my career. 
And I want to say throughout my career, I'm just like doing this work, learning more about social, doing social for so many brands. I got to this point, I want to say in 2021, which was my last like full-time, well, traditional full-time job. And I remember I was just like sitting one day and I was like, I think I actually hate doing social media marketing. Like (laughs) if anyone asked me to log into their account, I might jump out of a window and take my phone with me. I could not relate to that more because it's like, like you said, I mean, 10 years being in the field without even it being so formalized as you were starting it, it's like just now becoming so formal, like those titles, like within the last couple of years, we've been able to tell people, no, these are different things. These are different functions. I started also like my background's PR, but I also was kind of because I was in comms and marketing was handed some someone's phone and be like, Hey, can you live tweet for us? Or like, Hey, can you throw something up on Instagram? Right. Um, I roll, but I <laughs> I'm like, but it's funny because there's full burnout that comes with that. Like you've already had a social career in that time. So that's why I was like, Oh my God. Like I literally call myself like an anti-social social girly. So yeah, yeah. I know what the beef is with that. Yeah. Like literally I remember when I decided I was going to leave my job, it was one of the main reasons was I was like, I cannot like physically do this work anymore. Like if I continue to do it, I might have a mental breakdown. And I was just like, this has got to stop. Like, I don't want to do it. Get somebody else to do it. Get somebody else to do it. <laughs> like, sorry, it's, it's really stopped being fun. And I think for me, I remember <laughs> because I am who I am, I, I turned content and I, create content out of most things that go on in my life. So I remember I wrote this very long, dramatic blog that I posted around on my medium. And then I was like, oh, this is going to get the girls going. (laughs) What did it say? The title was literally why I'm leaving the social media industry. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Make a wave, make a splash on your way out. And of course it got like a shit ton of visibility, a lot more than I was actually expecting, to be honest. But even in that process, I was just kind of detailing like my career and why I got to this point. And I was like, and what that meant for me. And I was like, you know, you may still see me on social media in the ways that I want to be on social media, but that does not mean I will be behind someone's brand account. I will not be logging in. I will not be holding any passwords in my head. <laughs> so that's kind of where that came from this, you know, very distinguished. Well, I guess for me, making this di- distinguishment between me as a content marketer versus me being a social media strategist. Cause I wanted everyone to know I don't do that work anymore. And absolutely, that was very important for me because I think, because I am on social media, people are like, oh, Jade's a social media manager or she's a social strategist. I'm like, no, I do content marketing. I write copy. I do creative ideation. Yes. <laughs> I do content strategy, but I am not a social media marketer anymore. The I think the transparency around that's so important because then- I, 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 I can tell this from you that you're very specific about like letting people know, being honest about where you are and where you were and that distinction, making it so clear, it just attracts more of the right opportunities. So right. let the people know, what do we say? What's your title right now? <laughs> yes. So now I've been telling everyone content marketer and creator general enough so that I like it. people recognize that I do something specific, but also a lot of that, a lot of things that I do can fall under that title. So it's a title that works for me. I say content marketer and creator, because I even mm-hmm. 
the idea of being content creator for many people, they're like, oh, she just makes TikToks and posts it on her Instagram or Twitter. Right. You're like, put some respect to my name. I, yeah, I like, does this. Like, I this has this. been my industry, <laughs> right? Because yeah. it's not just like before when you were doing social media management or any of the past social media titles. It's like, this is not an intern running this account. How many times did you see people say that? I wonder. No, absolutely. And and that was something that I wanted to be very clear, Um, especially because I know that I have a social media presence online. So, which was, has always been intentional for me. That's just one of the ways that the mediums in which I use to express my creativity. But, you know, even some people will be like, oh, she's an influencer. And I'm like, no, (laughs) I am right there. I'm a content marketing professional that just happens to have a social media presence. That is a lot of people don't really know the difference. Do you want to give your definition of the difference between a a content creator and an influencer? Absolutely. So for me, a content creator is literally someone that creates content and content can be a lot of things that can be written content in the form of blogs or even copy. And that can also be short form video content, which most people kind of associate with the title. So TikToks, reels, even YouTube videos, but that can be a lot of things. A content creator can be someone that started a podcast, you know, content comes in many different forms. For me, an influencer is someone who is posting content in some type of medium or format that with the intended purpose of driving a sale or visibility of a product or service. To me, that's a difference. Sometimes mm-hmm. some creators- that's a definition, yes. Okay, content marketer. Giving <laughs> marketing. Um, <laughs> you know, sometimes creators can be influencers. Sometimes influencers can be creators. And that's why there is kind of like, you know, this overlap in the way that people use the word synonymously, but they yes. are different. Yeah, no, thanks for that. A lot of people, I get that question a lot. I feel like it's a conversation that it, it needs to be defined because I I mean, I love the way you define yourself because it does give the experience slash you are the creative genius behind everything that you touch and do. And you've the the coolest thing about it is I think when you are in this industry, like you said, you could be the voice of a lot of different brand accounts or your identity is kind of associated with like other companies or other missions, but to then channel that into your own values, your own mission, like that's that main character energy. That's what I want to tap into. You've been creating some pretty cool, inclusive spaces, creator tea talk, spill the tea. Let's talk about it because between creator tea talk and also, um, you know, I know you have a weed account too for black women. There's, there's a few things that I, I know you're doing. So tell me a little bit about how you kind of found your own voice or how you channeled your own voice and your own mission and your own values into these inclusive communities. Like how did creator tea talk come about? So Creator Tea Talk was something that I had been ideating for the past year. I remember I was high because I consumed cannabis with my creativity. And I came up with the idea during just me having a session in my living room. And I was just like, you know, based on my experiences, especially when I was transitioning out of my social media marketing career into content marketing and content creation, I realized in that process you know, there wasn't a lot of transparency or understanding between how brands and creators and influencers really should be working together. And I knew that because I was behind the scenes as well. I was hiring creators and influencers for the brand campaigns that I was working on. And then I was also flip side, the creator that brands were hiring. And 
in that process, I was like, wow, people don't know how to talk to creators, one, <laughs> and influencers. And two, creators and influencers don't know how to get paid, how they should be positioning themselves to brands. Brands are confused on what they should be asking for, how to talk to creatives in a way that makes sense for them, how, you know, there should be a line energy. There's just this huge disconnect that I was recognizing. And because I felt that I had that unique POV as someone who was a creator and both a marketer who hires other creators, I was like, okay, there's something here that I feel is relevant and timely, especially because the creator economy is booming. So that's how Creator Tea Talk came about. And for me, I wanted it to be something that was very chill because that's who I am as a person. That's how I work. Not too buttoned up, like typical, like, you know, marketing can be kind of sterile. Very sterile. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You were like, what? we're not doing that. <laughs> we're not doing that here. And I wanted it to be a conversation around uh, the creator economy, but also wanted to infuse culture and elements of who I am in it as well. So I remember I was having a conversation with Sprout Social last year and you know, they are someone who I've had a great relationship throughout my career as a creator and as a marketer as well. Mm-hmm. And they were like, what are you working on? Like, and I was like, just throw this idea in the pitch deck and see what they say. <laughs> <And> <laughs> you just it, stuck it in there, shot your shot. Yeah. And it wasn't even fleshed out. I was just like, this is just what I'm thinking. I don't even know what it's called yet. And they were just like, well, let's go for it. We'll sponsor the first two episodes. And I was like, that easy. <laughs> Y'all see how easy it is to just be like, I don't know, maybe yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. You know, close mouths don't get fed. Okay. So, you know, they are the ones that actually pushed me to do it on LinkedIn. LinkedIn audio, right? And audio exactly Very cool yeah because originally I was actually going to do it on Twitter spaces but Twitter right. was feeling like a little bit volatile at the time and we launched the first two episodes and it just got great visibility I was so surprised because I was like I don't even think people know what LinkedIn audio is and I didn't even before I launched it it was really new when you when you did it because you were one of the first people I saw on LinkedIn audio and yeah. I was super intrigued like I think I wrote a note I was like learn more about LinkedIn audio <laughs> Yes. Yes. And, you know, even with that, like that's feedback that I've gotten a lot. People are like, oh, I didn't know LinkedIn audio was a thing. And, you yeah. know, a lot of people don't know about it. So I was, wasn't sure if it would get, uh, drive the visibility and there sure. wasn't that pressure because Sprout was paying me <laughs> to make this happen. So, um, you know, we launched the first two episodes and it really went well. And from there, I've just been kind of this ongoing um, series that I've been developing and I wrap up season one this week and I'm excited. And what's the theme? (laughs) It is cannabis content creators because (laughs) right on time for 420. So right on time. Yeah, at the time of this recording, 420 is this week, super timely, super relevant. I know, for example, on that one, you're having like cannabis creators, but who do you usually like to have on your on your tea talk? Like what who kind of like fits the bill for creators that you want to speak to and, and highlight? Yeah. So one of the things about the panels that I put together, I'm very intentional about the fact that everyone that comes on my panel does not need to be a professional speaker because I don't think you need to be a professional speaker to have insights and a POV on a topic. Very true. Uh, so for me, it's really people that are just already plugged into the conversation and then people who I feel would have an interesting POV. For example, we recently did an episode on the de-influencing trend and oh, it's yeah. about you know how TikTok creators are tapping into this de-influencing trend, recommending uh, products that may not be as expensive to their audience and trying to like, I guess, stray away from traditional influencing. And, you know, topic. 
it's a hot topic. It makes sense to have people who are influencer marketing managers, people who create on TikTok, of course. But I also felt that there was a sustainability piece to the conversation as well. So I invited a sustainability creator that I um, know to come on as well. And she had great insight from a sustainability and just like eco-friendly point of view. So for me, it's like, when I think about my listeners, it's like, what are the different POVs that they can get that that may not be able to get elsewhere? Yeah, definitely. It's representation in this conversation where there's many moving parts because and if for people who don't really know much about the de-influencing trend, it is a lot of people feeling like sick of, you know, spending their money on recommendations that don't really help them or matter to them, like influencers who are kind of just getting their bag and not really like offering some helpful advice or maybe even also like fluttering in the space. Mm-hmm. And I know the sustainability piece is perfect because it's like, Think about even in the pandemic where people were just buying all these recommendations and buying all this stuff that they do not need. And yeah. somebody in sustainability being like, these halls are completely toxic. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not even just being garbage. sick of it. It's like physically <laughs> insane that we're yeah. doing that. Absolutely. And and I found that like with just having those different pr- perspectives on the panel, it's just that not only are my listeners learning stuff, learning new things, but I am as well. And then right. other, other panelists are as well, which I think is something that's incredibly valuable in a yeah. like this, because if they're able to walk away with new insight, it's like they can share that with the masses. And that's all we ever want. Education. Yes. <laughs> I love it. There's so many cool things about this. I mean, for one, the fact that you were able to, you know, partner with Sprout to do this. I, I do want to talk a little bit more about that. But first I got to say, I mean, with the creator economy, And everything being so new, there's very few like industry standards and things like that, right? Like we're just kind of having these conversations about pay transparency. We talk about that a lot with our agency brand curators. Like there's not really these standards yet, but there's the same issues in other industries, like, you know, Black women creators not being paid the standard and having people kind of talk about negotiation, talk about you know, being able to represent yourself. But I think the other cool thing is that when you create communities like this, you're not only able to have creators show up authentically and just talk about what they think, but also like it gives us the platform to connect. It gives us the platform to exchange notes, talk about pay transparency, talk about how you're able to connect with brands to let you share your ideas and then make money off of it. That All of that is like, that sounds like the dream. Yeah. And that's something I think I really pride myself on when like building the kind of community that comes out of Creator Tea Talk. Content is always my focus, but community is number one for me and in anything that I'm building. And Mm -hmm. one of the beautiful things I've seen with Creator Tea Talk so far is that, you know, I'll get a message where it's like, oh, hey, Jade, I attended your episode of Creator Tea Talk. And then I was then able to connect with so-and-so from this brand job opportunity. And I'm just like, Period. Because that's all I want for the people. <laughs> to get. That's it. Like, that's so rewarding. It's so rewarding and so fulfilling. So I'm like, if, you know, let's say someone joins an episode of Creator Talk and they don't learn anything, but it stems to an opportunity, a win is a win. Win is a win. And I know, you know, when you're on the internet and you're not getting any feedback, it might, it seems, it feels lonely a little bit. Like it feels just kind of like, is this resonating with people? So for people to actually be vocal about it, huge win in itself. Tell me how you were able to, you know, cultivate this relationship with Sprout Social. I know you kind of had relationships throughout your career, but to get to this point where you're like 
you know, creating your own show, how did that come about or what, what's some advice you have for creators who might want to do the same? Yeah. So for me, Sprout started because I was using their product, the platform when I was a social media manager. I was researching social media managers kind of earlier on in uh, social media platforms earlier on in my career. And I remember I did a demo with them and it was great. And we brought the platform in in house and I loved it. And I was like, oh, this is a tool that I would be using for any job that I had. And that's literally what I did. Nice. And then I remember, I want to say either 2020 or maybe late 2019. I got connected to someone from their editorial team on Twitter. Um, I was using Twitter very heavily at the time and it became like one of my favorite ways to connect with people. Yes. Shout out to Twitter. Shout out to Twitter. The girl is that get it, get it. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I remember that they messaged me and they were just like, Hey Jade, we love your work. Would you want to write a blog for us? And at that time I was looking to get into more writing work. So I was like, absolutely, let's do it. And I'm pretty sure I wrote a blog for them, it was like either about social media insights or social media content mm-hmm. and it performed really well. And from there, we just kept continuing to write blogs. So I became an ongoing contributor with them. Yeah. I've um, seen some of your work with them. It's good stuff. Yeah, thank you. And then I remember I then got connected to their social media team and then they were like, Hey, do you want to create some video content with us? And I was like, listen, sure, let's keep it going. Yeah, I'm always going to be down for this. <laughs> So it just kind of developed into this like ongoing thing from there. And, you know, they have been incredibly supportive of of me and because I've been a part of their community, they kind of rewarded me tenfold. So even a couple of years ago, when I was working at Delta Airlines, I was selected um, as part of their community builder program where I was awarded the community builder of the year. I think that- Congratulations. (laughs) Yes. I mean, at that point, it's like you had been at all these different touch points. And so that seems- appropriate, but you've really mastered that relationship building that we talk about a lot in this industry, because like we said, it's so, it's still so new. Mm -hmm. And so to make, uh, I mean, marketing's been around of course, but as a creator doing that and showing your expertise, but then also being able to be front facing, be on camera, write content. Mm -hmm. I think that says a lot about how you put yourself forward and how you brand yourself. Do you have any tips for people who kind of want to get started and do what you did with Sprout, for example? Yeah, I think you just said it. You have to be willing to put yourself out there. Like I was saying before, closed mouths don't get fed. And I find even, again, being someone who has hired creators and influencers, you have to think about the fact that with brands, whoever is on those teams that you're trying to get into contact with, they're receiving a lot of emails. They're receiving yeah. a lot of pictures, pitches in their DMs. So you have to figure out what is going to make you stand out. And oftentimes that initial touch base, which is really just getting some face-to-face interaction can be so meaningful. That is one of the things that I have learned out of my career that has been incredibly valued, valuable, the power of a virtual coffee chat, which is literally just getting some. I say it all the time. I've, I feel like I'm, I'm like, people are sick of me saying, and now you're here saying, I'm like, I I'm telling y'all the virtual coffee, just get some one-on-one time. Literally. And that you do not have to talk about work. You do not have to like necessarily be networking. It's just really introducing someone to who you are so they can get a feel for your personality and what you do, what you're excited about, what your interests are. And, you know, I literally cannot remember the time that I've done just a phone call with someone. Like every call that I get on, it's always video because yeah. I see my face. I want you to see who I am. <laughs> and then yeah. 
And then I follow that up with like some touch points via email or, you know, through social media. And I find that those connections really matter to people. And that's how you stay memorable. It really makes you stand out. And I'm also someone who's both on the like expert side, but also on the creator side. So, you know, when you get all those emails or when you're like, you know, I've worked on campaigns as well, where I'm casting creators for campaigns. And like, if I can see really quickly a snapshot of who you are, like a strong title, like I think content marketing creator is a super strong title. I just want to say that one more time Um, because I would just know, I'd be like, okay, got it. Like I see both sides of the coin and then also being able to kind of get to the point, like, okay, you've, I see that you've had a couple platforms you've created. I see that you lead with like, yeah, who you are. Maybe if you set up a time to do a video, all that stuff sets you apart so much. It's like, it's crazy. So I'm I'm happy to hear that all of these things have built on each other and snowballed and given you this platform to kind of create how you want to create. But one thing we always talk about on this podcast and one thing I always talk to people in my close circle about is sustainability when it comes to this work. Mm-hmm. How do you realign yourself like when you're feeling uninspired or feeling burnt out? Like what do you do to kind of keep the momentum going? without having to stop? So I stop when I need to. (laughs) And that's something that's incredibly important to me. Anytime someone asks me, it's literally, I create when I want to, and I do not work when I do not want to. Yes. Um, And granted that comes with some privileges, of course. However, I think for me, recognizing that if I'm not in the mental space to create, then it's going to affect everything for me from that point in a negative way. So I anytime I'm working, I'm always very conscious of like how I'm feeling, what my body is responding to, what's driving my spirit. Like sometimes I'll get, you know, an email in my inbox that seems initially exciting. And then I get on the call and I'm like, nope, this is not going to be it. (laughs) You can feel when you don't have that spark. Like I know right away I shouldn't do it. Absolutely. You can always feel it. So I listen to my gut in that way and listen to my intuition. If it's just not something that I feel is going to bring me joy, I simply will not do it. No matter who the brand is, no matter how much money they're offering, I just will not do it. And so far that has kept me in a place where I'm able to create in a way that really is driving me to kind of create in other aspects of my life and then also just do the work that I enjoy doing, which I love. And, you know, granted, that means sometimes I'm not making as much money as I could be, but I think that's okay for me knowing that physical health is not suffering in the process. I've just gotten to that place as well, where I'm like, it's, I think it sounds crazy. And I don't know, there's a lot of factors, right? Like maybe how you were raised or maybe like, you know, there could be like financial trauma or just like general things that you've gone through in life that makes you feel like, oh, I should take this opportunity or I should take this job or almost like you know, the gratitude piece, like, oh, these things are happening to me and I should be so lucky to have. Yeah. I think a big part of this journey is breaking through that and being like, it does not matter if I don't have my mental health, (laughs) if I'm not centering, if I'm not reclaiming my time, it it doesn't matter. And I've had things that I've had to say no to. And I've had people be like, really? But what if, what if they give you this much? And I'm like, they could double it. I would, I would still say no. That part. And the thing about it is one thing I have trained my mind to remember is that if I got the opportunity now, another one just like it or similar to it will present itself later. Scarcity mindset. It's always being abundance. It's always another bag coming. There's always another bag and I've seen it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, I'm not going to stress and worry myself like 
you know, I'm resourceful. If I need money, I'll get money at the end of the day, but never at the detriment of my mental health. How do you set those boundaries then? Like what is, what are some of your ways that you set boundaries on a regular basis? Well, one, I constantly remind myself where I was a couple of years ago. (laughs) I was very unhappy and miserable and literally working in in multiple environments that made me like physically unwell and mentally unwell. So that is something I try to remind myself of so that I don't go back to those behaviors that I was doing before and working in those types of environments that I was before. And then also I make self-care my number one priority. Like I don't force myself to get out of bed if I don't want to. (laughs) I just don't. (laughs) Because for what? Like, it's like, who are you doing that for? Like, it's all about you at the end of the day. And you got all these things going on. And I I think sometimes like, I know I get almost like stuck in that old mindset because I too have been in countless situations where I was so unhappy, which is why I created the things I've created now. And that's such a good reminder. I'm glad you said that because I'm going to (laughs) keep, keep that at the forefront of my brain too. But it's like, you get stuck in these like traditional, Mm -hmm. like kind of like habits or like, you know, like hustle culture type of mentality where it's like, wait, I don't have to girl boss hard as hell and get up at 5am. Like I, if I don't want to, if it works for you, it works for you, but for (laughs) what? (laughs) Agreed. So I don't do those things. And, you know, I do what works for me, which is like casually strolling in the morning around my apartment. Maybe I'll pick up a shirt and fold it. (laughs) (laughs) Low expectations. It's like very chill vibes. And I think that really works for me because, you know, there's going to be these moments where I'm like super energized and just ready to work, work, work. But there's also times where I just want to have like a restful day. And I do that. I'm also in therapy, which keeps my mental sharp, (laughs) thankfully, because obviously, you know, how you're navigating your everyday life outside of work has an impact of your work. So making sure that I have balance in, you know, all of my relationships with friends, family, my community, and then also making sure that I have things outside of work to keep me excited and going. That's one thing that I'm like going through a transitional phase with and trying okay. to think like what my new hobbies are aside from running to New York like every other month. <laughs> <laughs> That's major hobby. Traveling is a hobby, so. <laughs> it is. I'm like justifying it. I'm like, come hang out with me. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I think right now that's something that I'm working towards this year, like, because I love New York and I go, it's like my second home. I go every other month, but this year I really want to prioritize finding like what my new community is in Atlanta, where I'm from and figure out what my hobbies are here. So wish me luck. (laughs) Yes. I wish you luck. I want to hear about that. I'm like, let me know. Cause it's funny. I think when you also do content creation, there are blurred lines with hobbies because then you start to feel like you need to be recording everything. Yeah, every new hobby, (laughs) (laughs) which I'm sure you still will, but yeah, and and that's something I'm actually going to work on. I want to find something where I will not be tempted to take up my phone. So I'm literally like, I like that. My hands and like some clay because I can't touch my hands. I I was thinking clay. (laughs) I'm working with clay. Yeah. So I'm thinking like, where can we have yeah our hands occupied? (laughs) And I'm not tempted to put this on my story. Like it's fine. Exactly. (laughs) You know work in progress there offline time but I I think too you are good at saying no with your whole chest Mm -hmm. that's hard for a lot of creative sometimes like we talked about obviously the money piece but even like thinking of everything like oh that could be an opportunity or oh even just like overthinking like should I should I make it work 
that's something I'm working on too, is like, no, as a full sentence, no, with my whole chest, spacing things out. So I don't have to feel like I have to do everything in like one or two weeks. Have you always been good at that? (laughs) No, (laughs) definitely. not. I was like terrible at it. It was just something I really had to force myself to be more comfortable with, because again, I just knew that I didn't want to go back to doing what I was doing before. And I think one of the things I, I won't say I regret because I think, you know, everything is a part of the journey, but one of the things that I was pretty shitty at earlier on in my career was establishing boundaries with my coworkers, teammates, (laughs) managers, all of that. And that just put me in a lot of situations that were not good for me. Like I always suffered in the end and, you know, brands, companies, whoever you work with, they're always going to try to get as much as they can out of you with, of course, without compensation. Of course, of course, <laughs> they're going to try it. You, like, you know, they'll stretch you to your limits. And for me, I had to get comfortable with saying no out of necessity because I just kept saying yes to things for so long. And I think especially as, you know, Black women, I think when we're working, you know, in corporate environments or any in any spaces that we're in, we feel like we have to go the extra mile just because, you know, we're like trying to get the same opportunities as our counterparts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we have to work harder for the raise. We have to work All harder for the promotion. And I found with that mentality, which is also a scarce mindset, scarcity mindset, I found that that never benefited me. It never got me the raise, <laughs> never got me the promotion. And then you're always mo- way more bitter because you're like, yes. I put my heart and soul to this. But then you kind of have to look back and be like, girl, nobody said to. Nobody, nobody asked to do me to do it. <laughs> literally said to do the most but we do the most it's like intrinsic it's in our nature like it's always the like work 10 times harder vibe but like you said you always suffer and so having those boundaries strong Mm -hmm. it's a muscle I'm continuously flexing continuously trying to learn from because that just that is it's too real yeah it's definitely something you have to practice and you know, it's an ongoing journey for me. Like I even see it sometimes with like when I'm negotiating my rates or even just like redlining contracts that I sign, I've gotten a lot more comfortable. I'll be like, nope, 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 (laughs) not going to work. Nope. Take this out. And I've gotten so much more comfortable with that. But before it was almost like anxiety. It was like, why would I ask for this? Why would I (laughs) dare? Ladies, we have to just, we have to just throw it out there because you made it such a good point earlier in this conversation they came to you for a reason. They yep. will be back. More will come. So yep. if they're already there having this conversation with you, mm-hmm. and I remember doing this in my early days of like, you know, trying to negotiate as well, where I'm like, I want to ask for this, but I don't want them to just like say no. Yeah. Well, if they're going to say no, then okay, it's no. Like we're not working together. If you're, if you're not going to pay me what I'm worth, why would I want to be a partner with you? Exactly. So you got to boss up. You got to get that main character energy. Mm-hmm. And be like, I know my <laughs> worth. I created these platforms. I've been in this industry for 10 plus years. Like yeah. what's good. And even if like, let's say you're hypothetically new to the industry. My question always is what is the worst thing that can happen for you asking for your worth? I don't know. I feel like when you have that anxiety, it's like, what are, yeah. are going to beat you? Like nothing. Yeah, they're not going to like <laughs> jump through the screen and be like, how dare you? <laughs> yeah, but if they like, do, that's not the, that's not the partnership you want, obviously. So yeah. it's like, always ask for more 
shit, even sometimes more than what you think you deserve <laughs> because I always ask for more. We're oftentimes underselling ourselves, but like I feel like if you just don't even ask, like you're just like setting yourself up for missed opportunity there. Like yeah. it's something so simple. Like one of the basic things I tell people to start up with is like I always negotiate um the payment terms in my contract. So yes. for brands they're like net 60 or next 30. I'm like, I want net 10. <laughs> period <laughs> because the first time I ever did a deal it was net 90 and oh. I said never ever again because do bills work on a net 90 that's what I'm saying they pay their employees in um 15 days so why not us like when you watch your campaign go live like in like five seconds but you're not getting paid for another three months like what if I die in 30 months I don't get paid right like, what <laughs> I'm like that is I love that we're, let's talk about it. Yeah. When you, so, okay, let's go back to, let's say we're emerging creators. Let's say we're negotiating for the first time, signing with a brand for the first time. Now, one, I would say on, you know, the subject of knowing your worth, always, always say a little bit more than what you're going to say, because you might be talked down, first of all. Like I always, that's kind of one thing I always say, but what about, what else about negotiating? Like, how, where do you kind of start? What would you tell emerging creators like to start with what to charge? Yeah. So I always tell people for video content, start at 500 per asset. I've been hearing um, from other like micro creators and upcoming influencers that like, well, I've seen the rate sheets. They're like charging a hundred dollars like per TikTok, 200. Yeah. No, <laughs> start at no. 500. And because I, I feel 500 should be industry standard personally, especially because most brands that are one, like they may not put it in the contract, but they're going to try to own that content, you know, in perpetuity, in perpetuity. So forever, they want to own it, use it in any channel, shape, way or form they want to. Yes. So I think for 500 bare minimum um, for things like, you know, and I would say that's even just for like UGC specifically. Right. If, when it comes to like you being an on screen talent personality when you're showcasing your face your voice that's when you start piling oh, that's on a higher hundreds right <laughs> yes so you're even getting that, all of my cool. ip yeah i say even that starting at a thousand because like you know they could post that on their feed and let's say the brand goes in a pr crisis like that's stuff that you're gonna have to handle because people are gonna go back to your page like how dare you work with this brand granted like that's an extreme example but it's not like they're using their you know their lawyers to protect you so you have to protect yeah <laughs> that's a really smart i i didn't think of it that way either that's a really great point protect yourself for the, the things outside the contract because you never know what can happen with that brand yeah anything can happen so you know i say charge 500 for ugc video assets and anything that has your face or voice in it start at a thousand and then from there you can go like Oftentimes with brands, they try to do package assets. So, you know, they'll ask you to post on your feed or they'll ask you to do stories, or maybe they want you to do like a Instagram reel and then also create something new for TikTok. Like right. Just think about like, you know, your labor, how much is going to, how much time it's going to take you and kind of factor it in there from there. But I definitely think 500 for UGC and then a thousand for in on-screen personality assets. Like that's pretty standard. Well, yeah. should be standard. I agree with you. I mean, speaking of packages, would you kind of recommend people bundle their assets? Because I know that that could be kind of helpful to give the brands like a range since they yeah. usually want that. 
Honestly, I don't think anyone should have like a rate sheet. I'm like, some creators love a rate sheet. I'm anti-rate sheet because I feel like you can't really determine the rates until you get the ask or the scope of work from the brands. Yeah. Um, and I feel rate sheets kind of hinder you from kind of more opportunity to get money because they're walking in with the mindset, oh, this is what she charges. So this is what we're going to. So that's what we're going to give her. So you know? true. That's some good. So, it's a good tip. Yeah. So I don't publish my rates anywhere unless someone is like asking me how much I've made as a creator. Because my thing is like, you know, I don't determine what my rates are until I see what the scope of the project is. Yeah. Um, like, let me know what we're doing because there could be a lot more involved. And like you said, I think a lot of emerging creators need to know about the, uh, what you see in contracts for usage, mm-hmm. usage, like people could yeah. be using that content for like a year or whatever they could be putting paid behind it it could yep. be like a whole ad campaign that they're making a lot of money off of yeah. you got your little like three hundred dollars and that was it you know exactly and you don't know that information until you see the scope of work or the contract so that's where I start the rate conversations and then I find that brands again because they reach out to you they want to work with you they're willing to work with you when it's a brand that I really love, like I always shoot for the moon when it comes to my rates, but if they say no for any reason, or they say we can't manage that, depending on what the brand is or what the ask is, I'm willing to be flexible if I feel like it's aligned with my values, or if I feel like it will amplify my own portfolio or my own brand. I love that. I'm so glad you're able to share that, Jake, because I know that's going to be super helpful. I get these questions a lot from emerging creators. So hopefully they could be able to kind of channel that and be brave enough to ask for what they need to ask for. The last thing I'll say on that is like, I've kind of, this is a little bit more from my kind of like consulting experience as well. But when I think about my rates, I also like you mentioned, think about the labor, mm-hmm. think about a number that you won't be, think about the resentment that you could have basically. Yeah. Yeah. If you undercharge, yeah. like I do not want to be resenting this project and be like, I should have charged more. I should have charged exactly. this. Like you exactly. really got to, I don't know what to call that, but factor that in. <laughs> no, I think you're absolutely right. And I think even that is like teachable because, you know, when you're coming up in your career, whether you're a creator, marketer, or both, like this could be literally just rates or salary. Whenever you're negotiating, like you're going to realize the limits that you can push as you do it more. So earlier on in my career, I was like charging bare minimum because that's what I thought I could get away with. Yeah. And, you know, as I got older and just more experience, I was like, no, I'm increasing my rates every year because that's a another year of experience added. Yes. (laughs) Another year of rest you need. (laughs) Literally. So I was like in the middle of contracts at the beginning of January. And I was like, Hey, FYI, my rates increase. Let's go update this contract. You better, you better. No one one opposed because why would they? Inflation (laughs) exists. Cost of living has gone up. I'm a little smarter. I'm a little more talented than I was last year. (laughs) Yes. And the, and you know, I'm a hot commodity now. Okay. Yes. So it's like, speak on it. I can justify that. And I will say, I think that is where the fear comes in, where people feel like, okay, now how do I justify this? I'm going to tell y'all right now, most people are not asking y'all to justify it because at the end of the day, your rate is your rate. And if they can't afford it, that's on them. That has nothing to do with you. No, it has nothing to do with you. And they like you for a reason. If you guys are having a conversation, you're almost right there anyways. So lean in. I love that advice. Before we start to head out, I have a little game of this or that. I need to know (laughs) this or that Pinterest idea pins or YouTube shorts. Oh, YouTube shorts. YouTube YouTube shorts. shorts. Okay. Justify your reasoning. Why do you say that? 
they just have me in a chokehold lately because every time I um, go on YouTube, I, they just always pop in my feed and I've been loving them and I just find so much inspiration from them. I think just short form video content is the wave. <laughs> I do too. I do too. And YouTube's doing it in a way where it feel it still feels original to the platform. Yeah. We know we know what they're doing, but absolutely. <laughs> speaking of which, Twitter or TikTok? Oh, <laughs> Twitter. Twitter. I knew you were going to say Twitter. Yeah. Twitter has always been that girl for me. Like, I just feel you, you're able to do less and have the same amount of impact as TikTok. 100%. I'm like OG Twitter girly myself here. And like, it's, it's the community on Twitter as well. Like, you know, being able to watch shows together as a family is like undefeated. Like no no other platform can do real-time interaction like Twitter. It will always be. (laughs) <laughs> at all and then the last one this is going to be a tricky one but the marketing side or the creator side if you had to pick one Ooh. Ooh. um I can't pick because I love both of course <laughs> I if I if I had to be honest I would say in terms of longevity the marketing side just because I will always have a career in marketing creator economy is kind of in flux so we don't know what's going to happen in the future but okay. I will say there is an opportunity for creators and influencers for any reason, if they need to take the skill set that they have, they can easily make a career in marketing. Absolutely. We we love the flexibility. We love the multi-dimensional over here. Jade, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Before we head out, I just want to hear one intention that you set for yourself for 2023. My intention for 2023 is always going to be do the things that find me, that bring me joy. Do the things that bring me joy, period. (laughs) Period. Simple, beautiful. It really just sets the tone for everything else that you do. And I know I'm super excited to one, see, you know, how the rest of your year goes and how your projects are going. I can't wait to tune into the next uh, Creator Tea Talk. Is there a way to watch your Creator Tea Talks if anyone's missed any episodes from the first season? Yeah, so I have it on my all the previous episodes on my YouTube channel. It's just YouTube forward slash Jade I Powell, my handle on all channels, and then you can see them there or just search hashtag creator tea talk on YouTube. I love it. Well, thank you for spilling the creator tea with me today. You exude big main character energy. So I'm really happy that the girls got to, girls being gender neutral, got to um, (laughs) listen to all your insights today. So we'll make sure that we include all of your follow-up details in the show notes, but thank you again for joining. Thank you for having me. This was wonderful. Thanks for listening to Main Character Energy. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a rating or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Be sure to follow on social at Tiff or Die and Main Character Energy Pod to access exclusive content and get a behind the scenes look as well as resources to help you become that bitch. See you next week.